Good morning, everyone. My name is Mark. I'm one of the pastors here at Trinity, and uh, I had rotator cuff surgery, so that's why I'm wearing this uh, attractive fashion device this morning. So anyway. Uh, but this is one of my favorite authors. Uh, this is J.R.R. Tolkien, and uh, Tolkien wrote these amazing books that you might know as The Lord of the Rings, right? I remember when I first discovered those books, I was about 10 years old. I, I spent one summer just reading my way through all those books. Uh, they were just amazing, and, and honestly, they kind of created in me a love uh, for reading that I still have today. Uh, but they're not my favorite thing that Tolkien ever wrote. My favorite thing that Tolkien ever wrote was this little short story that was published in the, um, in the, uh, the Glasgow Journal in uh, the 1940s called Leaf by Niggle. Now, uh, now, the story is about a painter. And uh, in the first few lines of the book, we're told two things about this painter. First of all, we're told his name was Niggle. And uh, the name niggle actually means something. It's an it's a English word that means to like kind of fastidiously work on something a lot but never really get much done, okay? And that really describes niggle's personality, we find out, as the story goes on. But the second thing we're told about niggle is that niggle knew that the time was going to be coming uh, fairly soon in his life when he was going to have to go, as the story says, on a long journey, now, in the symbolism of the book as we read it, what we come to find out is that long journey is really, it's his death. He knows that the day is going to come when he is going to die, and uh, he knows that's coming, and so he really wants to make sure he accomplishes something in his life uh, before that day comes. And here's what he wants to accomplish. He wants to paint this beautiful tree. He's got this picture in his mind of this gorgeous tree, a stately, beautiful tree with many leaves just, just standing there in this beautiful meadow near the mountains, kind of swinging in the breeze. He's got the picture of this tree in his mind, and, and so he builds this huge canvas in his house where, where he can work on to paint this, kind of his life's work, this tree that he wants to paint. Uh, but unfortunately, it, it doesn't look anything like this. He just, he just never really gets close to accomplishing much on this painting. And, and we're told in the story that's for two reasons. First of all, one of the reasons is Tolkien says that Niggle is the kind of painter that is much better at painting leaves than trees. In other words, he, he focuses on the details and, he, and he's a perfectionist and he wants everything to be exactly right. So he can literally spend hours and hours and hours and hours working on just one leaf, trying to get the shading perfect, uh, trying to get the shape just exactly right. But there's another reason that, that Niggle doesn't get much done on his life's work that he wants to accomplish, and that's just because of life. You know, uh, Tolkien tells us that he has a neighbor that always needs his help. He has his own chores that he has to do. And honestly, sometimes he's just lazy. He's just tired. He just is worn out. And he doesn't, even though he'd love to be working on his life's work, he, he just doesn't always find the strength or the energy to do it. And often the work just kind of sits. Well, one day... Niggle senses that he's about to go on his long journey. And he frantically starts trying to get as much done as he can on his tree, but, but again, he really doesn't accomplish much, and soon there's the driver to take him on his journey. And uh, Niggle just kind of weeps as he leaves his house, saying, there's so much left to do. There's so much I didn't get done. Now, Eventually, someone takes over Niggle's house for him, and uh, they find his canvas, and they realize there's only one little part of the canvas worth saving at all. It's one little leaf. And so they frame it, and they put it in the local art museum where it sits back in a corner and is soon 
forgotten, just like Niggle. But Niggle's story isn't over. As the story goes on, we find Niggle actually on a train headed for the heavenly mountains. And, uh, and as Niggle approaches uh, this, these heavenly mountains, he gets off the train and he sees something amazing. There to his left is his tree. It's real. It exists in all the beauty that he imagined it would be. And Niggle just stands there at the end of the story and he just kind of extends his arms and once again, he begins to weep, but this time they're tears of joy, and he goes, it's real. I knew it all along. It was real. Tolkien ends the story like this. He says, the world before death, his own world, had forgotten Niggle almost completely. But in his new country, the permanently real world, he finds that his tree, in full detail and finished, was not just a fancy of his that died with him. No, it was indeed part of the true reality that would live and be enjoyed forever. I love that story. And uh, here's why I love that story, because I'm niggle, and, and you probably are too. I think all of us are at some point, right? I mean, we want to accomplish great stuff in our lives. We, uh, we, we, we grow up with this idea that we can actually make a difference in the world. But all too often we find the, the great things we want to accomplish, we, we fall short. And the difference we think we're making is really kind of out of our hands. It's out of our control. Did you ever think about the fact that, that if there is no God, if, if, if the only real life is this life, then nothing we do really matters because eventually it'll all just burn up in the death of our son and none of our work, none of our accomplishments, even if we achieve success and fame in this life, none of that will really matter. It's, it's just going to all be gone someday, all of it forgotten. But if there is a God, if the God of the Bible is real, then there is another life. There is a true reality that lies beneath and, and under this reality in which we live, a reality that will last forever, that we are a part of because of our God. In fact, the Apostle Paul put it this way. This is a promise from God that I find especially comforting. He said this, he said, in the Lord your labor is not in vain. The work that you do matters. Maybe growing up, you decided you wanted to be a doctor or a nurse because you wanted to heal people. You wanted to help sick people get well. And, and maybe you're doing that with your life. And, and you do help sick people get well, but, but then they just get sick again. You know, eventually, every doctor's patients, they die. They all do. Or, or, or maybe you grew up wanting to work with your hands and, and you wanted to build things. You wanted to, you wanted to build houses or uh, you wanted to fix cars. And, and you do that. You, you do, but you know what? Every car you fix eventually breaks down again and eventually ends up in the junkyard somewhere. And even the most beautiful house that you can build someday is going to fall apart and need to get rebuilt. And we, we, we want to accomplish great things, and it seems from an earthly perspective that our work often isn't worth anything, but, but God's promise is very different than that. His promise is that your work, whatever it is you do, is actually part of God's work in this universe. And if you see that, and if you understand that, your work will never be the same. And so over these next weeks, we are going to study what the Bible has to say about 
work. And uh, we're going to look at God's plan for work with the rest of the message this morning. And next week, we're going to look at the problems that we encounter with work and what God has done about those. And then the last three weeks of, of September, we're going to look at a new concept for work, a new compass for work, and a new power for work. And I'm convinced that by the end of this month, as we study what God says about work, that you will never look at your work the same. We're calling this series The Gospel at Work, and, and you may see that title and think, well, this is an evangelism series. They're going to talk to me about sharing Jesus with my coworkers, and that's not what we're going to talk about. I mean, that's important, and your work may be your biggest mission field, but, but during this series, we want to talk about your work itself, and it doesn't matter uh, whether you're a student, uh, whether you work full-time in an office somewhere, whether uh, you work at home, whether you are retired, because by the way, the Bible says that you never really retire, right? You may stop one job, but that doesn't mean you don't have other work to do. If you've got a pulse, you have a purpose, God's Word teaches. And so we are going to talk about what it means that all of us have work to do. And that work, no matter what it is, if we work for the Lord, if we, if we understand our calling to work for the Lord, our work matters now and for eternity by the way, we want to give some credit uh, where it's due. Uh, Reverend Timothy Keller wrote this amazing book called Every Good Endeavor. And, uh, and while what we're going to be talking about these five weeks comes from the Bible, the way it's organized really was influenced by Tim Keller's book. And if you want to study this topic in greater depth, that there's something that really kind of hits you during this series and you want to study more about it, I highly recommend this book. Again, Tim Keller, Every Good Endeavor, just a wonderful book. The subtitle there is Connecting Your Work to God's Work. And that's what we're going to do over these weeks. Now let's start with God's work. Because at the very beginning of the Bible, what we find out, what you heard read just a little bit ago in this service, is that at the very beginning of this universe, God was at work. God was at work creating this amazing universe. You heard it, six days of creation. And, and by the way, I don't get uh, tied up about whether those were six 24-hour days or whether they, they were days that were longer than that. I don't, I don't know. I'm, honestly, I'm not sure I care. Uh, that's, not what, that's not what Genesis is trying to tell us. It's trying to tell us that, that in the beginning, God created, and God created with meaning and with purpose and, and with order God created the universe, and he made it exactly the way he wanted it to be. And what an amazing universe God created, didn't he? The universe is beautiful. It, it, there's, there's, God didn't just create a few species of animals. He created thousands and thousands of species of animals, incredible diversity of life. God, God didn't just create a utilitarian world, but it's a world that, that is, has beauty and can create awe. Even in its sinful fallen state, this universe is amazing. It's vast beyond measure. And God worked to create that, we're told in the Bible. But now here's my question for you. We're told that after God creates the world, it says on the seventh day God rested from his labors. So is that it? Is God done working in this universe? Did he kind of create this universe, and is he now kind of sitting back, you know, uh, sipping uh, some lemonade in heaven, just kind of watching what we do with it? No, the Bible teaches us that God is still at work in this world. In fact, Jesus said it this way. He said, to this very day, my Father is at his work, and even I am working, he said. So what is that work? What is that work that God is doing now? Well, Paul talked about it. 
uh, when he was in, in Acts chapter 17, he was in this place called Athens, and he was debating with the philosophers there in Athens. And this is what Paul had to say about our God, this God that created the universe. Look about two-thirds of the way down. It says, rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. And then he, he quotes actually one of their philosophers, and he says, for in him, in God, we live and we move and we have our being. If you are alive right now, and I think everybody is except that guy that maybe fell asleep during the sermon back there. No, I'm joking. You don't, you don't have to look. There's no one back there asleep, right? right? But, but no, if you're alive right now, you are alive right now because God is keeping you alive. He is sustaining you. Every breath you take is a gift from God. Every movement you make is, is, is able to be made because of God. God created you from the, he was there in the moment of your conception and he molded and shaped you to be the person that you are today with the gifts and the skills that you have, with the passions that you have. He molded and shaped you to be the person that you are. He created you and he sustains you. The Bible teaches us that until your dying breath, every moment of your life, God is at work in your life, preserving you, sustaining you, encouraging you, strengthening you. God is still at work in this universe. And here's the amazing thing. Did you catch it in that reading before from Genesis chapter 1? After God has created all the other animals and, and everything else in this universe, God decides to make one more thing, and that's us. And God decides to make human beings different than everything else in his universe. He says God made us in his image and that means a number of different things, but one of the things it means is, is that God invited us to be co-workers with him in this universe. Look at this. This is, a, again, from Genesis, Genesis chapter 1. God blessed them, those first human beings, and he said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth. And I, I used a little different translation here because I love the way it says it. Be responsible for the fish in the sea and the birds in the air and for every living thing that moves on the face of the earth. And then later on in Genesis 2, it says, then the Lord God put the man, took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and preserve it. Notice, this is before Adam and Eve sinned. I think sometimes we think that God created us and we were supposed to live lives of leisure, but then we sin and the punishment is work. That's not what the Bible says. Before we sinned, before anything went wrong in God's creation, we had work to do as God invited us to join him in his creative and sustaining work. So folks, it doesn't matter what you do, your work is, is for God. It doesn't matter whether you grow food or whether you work in an office or whether you teach kids or whether you build houses or even if you mop floors. It doesn't matter what you do. Your work is a gift from God. And when you work, you are working together with God in his work to create and sustain his creation. Did you ever cut the grass and kind of sit back and look at the perfect lawn and kind of feel a little sense of satisfaction, that's from God. Did you ever uh, roll up your sleeves and cook an amazing meal for your family and friends, and even though you're exhausted and covered in spaghetti sauce at the end, you, you, you look at people enjoying that food together, and you just get this amazing feeling of satisfaction. That's a gift from God. Did, did, did you ever uh, have a coworker or maybe a client say to you, thanks, we couldn't have done this without you. 
that satisfaction you feel is a gift from God. Or maybe you're a student and, and uh, there's this hard concept you've been trying to get your brain around and all of a sudden something clicks and it just makes sense to you and you, you're like, I get it. And in the moment, that joy you feel, that's a gift from God. Everything we do in our work is, is a gift from God because we were made to work. I, I love this quote. This is from Keller's book. He says this, work is as much a basic human need as few, food, beauty, rest, friendship, prayer, and sexuality. In other words, he says, we need to work. He says, it's not simply medicine, but it's food for our soul. Without meaningful work, we sense significant inner loss and emptiness. People who are cut off from work because of physical or other reasons quickly discover how much they need to work to thrive emotionally, physically, and spiritually. I remember a time in my life when I really realized how true this was. I think a lot of you know I used to be a junior high teacher before I became a pastor. And uh, I could tell you one of my favorite days of the year was the last day of school, right? Because <laughs> I knew my classroom was going to look like this the next day, right? Nobody in it but me, right? And, uh, and I knew I was going to have two months of peace and quiet and rest, okay? It was one of my favorite days. But you know what my real favorite day of the year was? The first day of school. Because I can tell you, you know, summer was great for about two, three weeks. And then it was kind of like, I don't have anything to do. And I, I, miss, I miss the kids, and I, and I miss seeing the light bulb that goes on in their heads when they finally get something. And I, and I miss the chaos of the classroom. And, and, you know, it's just, by the end of the summer, I was going crazy. I wanted to get back to work. And maybe you've experienced that. Maybe you've been laid up after a surgery or something, or maybe you've had something happen where all of a sudden you couldn't work for a while. There's this void in your life that just, I mean, at first you're kind of like, oh, this is cool. I guess relax and, you know, binge watch Netflix. But, but you miss working. God made us to work. And, and here's the best part of all. Not only do we work as a part of God's work, but God uses us in our work to serve others. And you go, well, 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 wait a minute. You might say, well, wait, I'm not a teacher or a nurse or something like that. I don't really serve others in my job. Yes, you do. I, I love this quote from Martin Luther. He put it this way. He says, the Christian shoemaker does his duty not by putting little crosses on the shoes he makes, but by making good shoes. God likes good shoes not for their own sake, but because your neighbor needs good shoes. In other words, what Luther is saying is no matter what it is you do, you are serving others by doing it well. Somebody needs you to do your job well, and when you do that job well, you make a difference in their lives, and you are serving others by serving God and by doing the work that he has given you to do. Every single day is a chance for you to make a difference in other people's lives where you work. Now, I, I, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, not my job, man. My job's a pain in the butt, all right? And, and I don't feel like I am making a difference in people's lives at my job. And sometimes my job is frustrating. And sometimes my boss doesn't get it. And, uh, and, and, and sometimes it just doesn't turn out the way I expect. And that's true. And we're going to talk next week about that. We're going to talk about maybe why work isn't always fulfilling. But I can tell you, God has done something about that too. Or, or maybe the problem really isn't with your work. It's with you. Maybe you see work as simply a way to make money. 
or you see work as a way to make you personally successful, or you see work as a way to make you personally famous. And I can tell you, if you go into your work, you know, ignoring the calling from God and just to make it all about you, then yeah, work's not going to be what God intended it to be. But here's the thing, folks. Every day is a new chance. Every single day, when you get up and head off to work, or maybe stay at home and work, wherever it is that you work, every day is a new chance to see your work as not only a gift from God, but a way of joining God in the work that he is doing in this universe, work that will last forever. Here's a number. Anybody want to guess what that number is? That number, 1,000, I mean, 115,320. 115,320, you know what that is? That's the number of hours the average person will work in their life. A little over 13 years of your life spent at work. Now, the blessing is, it doesn't matter what you do, even the worst job. I mean, somebody's got to test to make sure deodorant works, right? I mean, if we all bought deodorant that didn't work, that would stink. Oh, I know, sorry. But seriously, even the worst job can, can be a job of joy and fulfillment when we recognize that what we do is part of something bigger. It's part of the work that God is doing in this universe, and it is work that truly will last forever as we work as a part of God's plan in our lives. Folks, work is a gift from God. And again, it doesn't matter what your job is. It's your chance to join God in his work of creating and sustaining this universe. And it's part of the real life that will last forever. Would you bow your heads and would you pray with me, Lord?